Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast conversation focused on relevant issues for leaders of small group ministries. Whether you are a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a lay leader or staff, we want to encourage, equip, and challenge you to thrive in your ministry context. The Small Group Network exists to inspire, inform, support, and resource one another because we are better together. Now, let's get ready for today's episode of Group Talk. Hi, welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and the small groups pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. There's a great quote that I heard uh, from our guest on today's podcast. He says, self-care is not selfish, it is good stewardship. So if you agree with the statement, you're going to love hearing from Lance Witt in our conversation. If you're not sure you agree or you're kind of wondering what self-care even is, maybe it sounds kind of secular and new agey and sounds kind of funky, please stay tuned because Lance is going to help us understand how to lead from a healthy soul. And so often as pastors and Christian leaders, we get weary and we get depleted um, behind the scenes. Maybe people don't even notice when our ministries are successful and thriving, but we know um, that we're leading from not a, the best place. And the statistics on depression, anxiety, and burnout in ministry are alarming. So clearly as a collective, we are not doing a great job of taking care of ourselves, even as we minister to our congregations. So how do we do this? How do we care for ourselves in such a way that we don't become weary in well-doing um, that our families don't bear the cost of our ministry? Um, what are the warning signs to look for in our lives or the lives of people around us on staff or even our volunteer leaders? And then how do we allow God to replenish our souls? Um, how do we partner with him in that and keep us flourishing both in our ministry and our personal lives? So I think these are some of the most important questions that we can ever ask of ourselves as leaders and as people who follow Jesus. So I'm so excited and honored to have this conversation with pastor and author Lance Witt, who is considered by many to be pastor to pastors and church leaders. So Lance, thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks, Carolyn. It is an honor to get to be with you and to be with those who listen to the podcast. Oh, well, we're honored to have you here. So, Lance, you understand firsthand the pressure cooker that many ministry face um, because you've been there. And out of your personal experience, God has given Lance this ministry to help others. Um, let me give you a little brief bio about him. He's the founder of a ministry called Replenish. It's replenish.net, which has been around for 10 years now and is dedicated to helping people live and lead from a healthy soul. And he's written a book called Replenish, which is terrific. And I picked that up about maybe six, seven years ago when I was kind of in a rough spot. Um, and ministry was very helpful to me. Prior to starting Replenish, Lance served for 20 years as a senior pastor and then another seven years as the executive teaching pastor at Saddleback Church in Southern California. And in that interim, he has led the Saddleback Small Group campaigns that we're all very familiar with, the 40 Days of Purpose, 40 Days of Community, etc. Um, and it's a highly successful church, of course, and a lot of impact in the world. And currently, along with speaking, consulting, and training, Lance also does life plans, which is um, individual coaching and staff training and development. And I guess you're now working on a book, a new book called um, High Impact Teams to be released in 2018. So you have to promise you're going to come back for that one. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So Lance, let's start with your story. If you can briefly share with us, how has God brought you along this journey um, from being senior pastor, pastor to um, then now specializing in helping pastors not burn out and to lead well? You know, I think, Carolyn, in a lot of ways, my story is very typical of a lot of people in ministry. I love the Lord, um, felt called of God, want to make a difference with my life had ambition to 
you know, further the purposes of God. And so, you know, I went into the ministry really, I think with the right motives, I began to pastor at a very young age. In fact, I was 23 when I first became a senior pastor. And I I feel like I should go back and apologize to those people (laughs) for inflicting myself on them because I had a lot of zeal and passion, but not much knowledge or wisdom. And Um, so in a lot of ways, I think my story is pretty typical. You know, I went to a small church, went to a little bit bigger church, um, pastored medium sized churches, uh, ups and downs. And then I went to Saddleback and, you know, to be honest, it's a quite intimidating experience. Here I am, um, in this now very large church and hoping no one really discovers how much I really don't know. (laughs) And uh, I was there during the years when Rick wrote Purpose Driven Life, and that was such a game changer for him personally, uh, as he was trying to figure out how to pastor our church and pastor the world, and the demands on him were incredible. And, you know, I often tell people that in many respects, those years were the most intoxicating, Mm -hmm. but also the most toxic. And a lot of that had to do with stuff that was going on inside of me. Certainly, there were some environmental things that made it challenging. But the bottom line is I got into a pretty unhealthy place of living beyond my limits. The pace of my life was out of control. Um, I wasn't handling stress very well. And the truth is I was kind of trying to lead from this empty place. And um, so in uh, late 2006, after being there for about seven years, finally made the decision that we had to step aside and uh, didn't know what I was going to do. Um, uh, thought I'd go back to being a senior pastor, but it was actually my wife who said, you know, I think you need to be open to God doing something different in this next season. Mm. And through a very, you know, I don't have very many mystical experiences, <laughs> Carolyn, but I, I had this moment where God just met me so powerfully. I remember, I, I think I was 46 years old. It was the middle of the night. I was on a plane going to Singapore and I just cried out to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do in this season of my life? And the answer came back, I want you to help leaders be healthy, holy, and humble. Wow. And, and I remember in that moment just that feeling of I, I, I could give the rest of my life to that. And so I've spent really the last 10 years trying to understand how to bring my own soul back to life mm-hmm. and then how to help others uh, to do the same. So um, that gives you just a little snapshot yeah. of the journey. Okay, so a couple points I just love about that story. Um, so I've never thought about this before. The word intoxicating and toxic both have the same um, yeah. piece in there. And so yeah. there's something I think in one of your writings about how, um, you know, sometimes the most exhilarating and where God is like blessing things off the charts in your ministry is sometimes the beginning of burnout. Do you remember writing that? I'm probably totally mashing your words, but I remember being yeah. thinking, is that true? Like when things are going really well, like wouldn't your soul be just flourishing? And you had a, a really um, sobering argument that actually that's can be the beginning of uh, of burnout starting. Can you explain that? Yeah, I I really where that first kind of dawned on me was when you look in Exodus 18 and Moses is leading the people of Israel out of the promised land. Lots of challenges, but also lots of great spiritual victories. And his father-in-law Jethro comes and brings back Moses's wife and kids. And and, you know, he goes to work with Moses the next day. And Moses from morning till night is the sole decision maker for two million people. 
And right. finally, his father-in-law says, hey, what you're doing, this is crazy. You're going to burn yourself out and you're going to burn the people out. And there's a lot in that story to unpack. But what dawned on me was that here was Moses as the spiritual leader, having great success, seeing lots of spiritual victories. And yet he was hearing his father-in-law say, you are on the path to burnout. Mm. And when I look at a lot of leaders, there's a lot of good things going on in their life. And it doesn't mean that their souls are empty, but it means that if they stay on the path that they're on now, there's a good chance they'll end up empty. And that's what Jethro was saying to Moses. Mm -hmm. He wasn't feeling it in that moment, but his father-in-law could look ahead and go, if you plot the trajectory of where you're headed, it leads to burnout. And I see that all the time in pastors that I work with. So let's, let me ask you this. What are some signs you see along that trajectory of burnout for us to pay attention to? Well, I think um, there's a number of signs that people should watch out for. One is, I think, just loss of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, ministry just begins to feel like a job. And, you know, I think ministry is hard anyway, but when you're trying to do it from an empty soul, it really <laughs> does become hard. And I always tell people that when you try to lead on empty, one of three things is going to happen. You're either going to end up burned out, cynical, or disillusioned. Hmm. And so joy is, the loss of joy is often a good first indicator. I'd also say um, your ability to actually love and appropriately shepherd people gets pushed to the side. You become less gentle. You hmm. become more irritable, more harsh in your dealings with people. And so I think, you know, when you think about having a healthy soul, it's like having a good set of shock absorbers. And, you know, because shock absorbers are to help you when you hit potholes or speed bumps. Um, And when your soul is healthy, you're able to absorb the pressures that you feel in leading a small group or running a ministry. But when your soul's empty and it's like your shock absorbers are gone, you just bottom out and it, and it, and the ride is rough and it's rough for you. And it's also rough for the people around you. Um, that makes, go ahead. that makes sense. I was going to say, I think one of the, um, the signs, I love that you point out the, the joy piece of it. Um, one of the signs is probably like for me is I get cranky. I get grumpy, um, kind of short tempered, not so much with people I'm in ministry with more with my family. I think they, they tend to see, have you noticed that like does people's private lives kind of take more of a hit or it shows up there first? Yeah, I think so, because it's in our private life and the, our, our close friends or our family. They see, they see the real us, the unfiltered us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us are experienced enough in ministry to know how to act around other people, and we can sort of put up the facade. But then when we get home um, and our souls are empty, all the filters come down, all the, the veneer right. comes off, and people see the real us. And so, yeah, I think one of the real indicators is sort of, again, How's it at home? What would your kids say, mm-hmm. you know, about how you're doing? Um, a close friend. So I think all of those, you know, even this whole issue of sort of feeling a little bit like disconnected from the Lord. I remember for me, one of the signs of burnout is I begin to pursue the ministry more than I'm pursuing Christ. Wow. And and that's a real danger zone. And it's a very common thing for those of us who are committed to ministry. It's well, so it's taking something to the church, right? So it's taking something really good 
the commitment and kind of the holy discontent or ambition or whatever you want to call it, but then it gets twisted into something that's really damaging. Speak more about that. I know you've talked about how ministry is different than other professions and that it's a character profession um, right. and why it requires more in some ways of our our heart and our soul than maybe some other kind of work, but it gets, it's so dangerous that ministry and God and relationship with God just kind of becomes interchangeable sometimes in a, in a really bad way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'll sometimes describe it with this word picture. I think when, you know, when I went into ministry, I did it with the purest of motives. I love Jesus. I wanted the rest of the world to know Jesus, and it just seemed my my serving him in ministry was a great way to share that gift. And I always talk about Jesus being the gift, but your ministry being the box. And the box mm-hmm. is, that's the delivery system. And somewhere in my journey, Carolyn, there was some moment where I began to put all the focus on the box and neglect the gift. And, you know, and it seems like Christianity 101 to stay in love with Jesus. <laughs> But I can tell you after all these years that it's very easy to let my work for God replace my being with God and to let your pursuit of ministry actually end up causing you to be disconnected from the very one that you say you're doing the ministry for. And so um, for me, that's a a huge issue that we have to watch out for um, when when we're leaders that we don't allow our own hearts to get disconnected from Christ while we're trying to build up the body of Christ. But how, how do you see that in yourself? Because it seems like, um, okay, you may have had the purest of motives back when you started. I think most of us have mixed motives. Of course, oh, we want to see the kingdom. We want to see people come to Jesus. We want to see the kingdom grow. We want biblical communities to flourish all over. And at the same time, doing that work and doing it well also brings us satisfaction, uh, brings God glory, brings us joy. So like, it seems unrealistic to ever think it would be completely pure, but how do you know when you've kind of crossed over into a danger zone with that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think the truth is all of us have the mixed motives of a holy ambition and then an ambition that is about us and our own need for significance and, mm-hmm. um, you know, serving in ministry and succeeding in ministry often fuels something that can be very unhealthy in us. And so I think. You know, when James talks about this, he says, wherever there is uh, selfish ambition and envy, you can just mark it down that there will be evil and every kind of disorder. And so when our selfish ambition gets introduced, it complicates things. And I always talk about the fact that in ministry, we're very smart. We know how to wrap what is really our own selfish (laughs) ambition in God talk. So it sounds very spiritual and we say it in the name of vision. But sometimes when you peel it back, it really is about us and our need for significance. And after I left Saddleback, the the thing that the Holy Spirit probably shined the spotlight on the most in my life was this issue of ambition and how that Mm -hmm. often a lot of, if you could peel back the layers, really the driving thing was my own need for significance and approval. And that often my motive was not about kingdom or about you know, expansion of the kingdom, but it really was about my need for something and my need for significance. And, um, and I think it is hard to discern, but a couple of things I think are healthy is it's one reason why I think things like solitude and quiet and silence are so important because sometimes you have to get the clutter and the noise of ministry away from you. So you can allow the Holy spirit to really shine the light on some things in you that might be broken 
yes. that nobody else sees, but you see it and the Holy Spirit right. sees it. Um, and, and then I, I think the other piece is to, to really work hard at this thing called humility, <laughs> you know, to, to make much of Jesus, to not, to not chase after the spotlight, uh, to realize that you, you do have this private interior life called your soul and that, you know, that God wants to mm -hmm. make that as pure as your outward actions. And of course, what Jesus railed on in the Pharisees was when their outward image sure. didn't match their inner life, right? Yes. Um, so, so it's a tricky one, but I think it's one that we have to pay attention to. So let me give you, a, again, an illustration that's not original with me, but it's been so helpful. This one writer talked about ambition being like um, raw electricity, full of life, full of potential, full of energy, but dangerous at the same time. And he says, unless that raw electricity is hooked to a transformer, and that transformer guides, governs, directs, and takes that which is potentially lethal and turns it into something useful, he said, if, if it's just raw electricity, it's very dangerous. And his point is, ambition is like raw electricity, but if it is not connected to the transformer of a healthy soul, it will end up doing more harm than good. Wow, that's uh, a good analogy. Yeah, uh, it's been really helpful for me to sort of wrap my mind around how there, you know, that ambition is good and it's from God, but the mm -hmm. only way it's going to stay holy is if it's connected to a healthy and humble soul. Yeah, I think other words we could use even for ambition would be passion. That's that's really a buzz yep. thing. You know, it's not in my passion or it is in my passion. And yep. it's what energizes us. Um, I love your authenticity and honesty in, you know, in discussing how your um, desire for approval and um, for ego kind of having that be part of what caused you to go to that place. I think that's super common. We talk about the audience of one being the most important. So we, we get that. We can wrap, as you said, God language around it. Um, but I think the need for approval, people pleasing, what are some other things that kind of contribute uniquely in the Christian setting for pastors and church leaders to um, burn out and to just kind of get depleted? Well, I think one of them is our language of being all in hmm. and committed and you know, dedicated to Christ and surrendered. Um, all of those are biblical. They're real. They're, they're good terms. And, you know, it's how we talk about, you know, people serving God to their utmost is to be all in. And yet I feel like sometimes what ends up happening is we end up living as though we don't have any limits. Hmm. We end up living as though we're, we're superhuman. And, you know, I, I often remind people in ministry that, hey, before you were a pastor, you were a person. <laughs> before you ever became a small group leader, God just made you a normal person. And you have all the same needs and all the same limitations. And one of the things that's really come into my Christian journey these last 10 years is understanding the issue of limits. Because for so many years, I tried to live as though I had no limits, that I didn't have the same need for everybody else for physical sleep, for rest, for time, for vacation. Um, and so for me to embrace the fact that those limits are from God hmm. and those limits are actually a gift. And wow. so he, he gave me limited time, limited energy, limited physical resources. He gave that to me and he wants me to live within that. And those limits, I think, 
do a couple of things. One, it creates greater dependence on God to realize I can't be everything to everybody all the time. And secondly, it allows me to have a relaxed rest and know that God's got it and that it's not all on my shoulders. That is such a paradigm shift, Lance, to think of our limits as actually being a gift or a blessing. Because the whole idea of limits is that you want to eliminate them. Right, Um, right. And a lot of times I get on myself like, why can't I have more energy? Why can't I do more, you know, like so-and-so or whatever? And I get... Um, get into that mode instead of looking at it as, okay, this is what I've been given. This is as much energy as I have. And I have to allocate that and steward that, as I said in the top of the, the broadcast, um, about soul care being about stewardship. I have to steward this amount, whatever amount it is we have. Um, that's what we're given to steward and see that as a blessing. That, that's really radical. I, I love that. That's going to be my takeaway from this one. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, I, I do think it's, it's a lot around learning this biblical value of rhythm Hmm. um, that, you know, God built into the DNA of the universe. And we can spend a lot of time here going (laughs) back to unpacking sort of how God did this. But in in the book of Genesis, you know, the Bible says he he worked six days and created six days. And then on the seventh day, he Hmm. rested. He didn't do that because he was exhausted. He did that because he was modeling something for us. And what he was modeling was into the DNA of everything God made in the universe. He built this rhythm of work and then rest, be productive and produce, and then restore. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, in the book of Leviticus in the 24th chapter, the Lord would even say to the nation of Israel, every seven years, I want you to give the physical dirt a break. Right. Not even give the land a Sabbath because no, nothing was made to give out all the time. Yeah. And when, when we live differently, we actually violate the rhythm that God gave us. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, we do, and we do violence to our emotions, our body, our soul, our relationships, right. everything. So the whole idea of Sabbath and rest, of course, is one of the key steps Um to avoiding burnout and to, to tending to our soul along the way. What are some other um, practical examples of ways we can safe, safeguard against that kind of depletion? Well, again, I think Sabbath is a great one. Um, I would say sort of the authentic practice of spiritual disciplines, um, you know, making sure that you have unhurried time in God's word, that you actually build silence and solitude into the rhythm of your life. Um, I think authentic relationships where, you know, you can just be real and be you and be accountable and get support, which, you know, is so, which I feel like your audience of, of small <laughs> get group that. And, and small group, I mean, they get that, right? They get except, the Except though, we get it, but, and I know we are entrusted as small group pastors and point leaders to um, ensuring that people in our congregation get it and have access to it and develop it. But I'm not sure if you were to ask, you know, our listeners, um, you personally, as the small group point leader, are you engaging in that yourself? I'm a little hesitant to say whether that would actually be a resounding yes. I think that's a discipline too. Like I don't lead our small group on purpose, that one that my husband and I are part of, um, so that I can be a normal person. Um, and every so often, you know, they'll knock the curriculum or they'll do something to kind of remind me that this is my ministry um, thing. But at the same time, it's a really safe place for me. Um, and I and I really cherish that. But I think we almost have to force ourselves to, to places where we can just be uh, a regular person there. 
Yeah, I think that's so wise. And it is easy. The higher you go up in leadership, to the, the easier it is to be isolated. And people will be more than happy to sort of just leave you alone and leave you to be isolated. And so I think it is something that you really have to pursue because you don't you don't drift into that kind of authentic community. It's 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 purposeful and you have to go after it. Um, and not be passive when it comes to it. And we don't really drift into a healthy soul either, do we? <laughs> no, no. Especially in this generation where there is not much slow or quiet. You know, mm -hmm. I, I always talk about the fact that Jesus had this advantage that, that the culture in which he lived was a slower, easier sure. culture because when the sun went down, kind of the day was over. Right. And, you know, when it says he went to Jericho, that was a slow walk on a dusty road. It wasn't a 15-minute car ride. And so think about life before technology and TV and all the noise that we have today. And so I, I think, um, you know, we have to work really hard because much about life in the 21st century is unfriendly to having a healthy soul. This is very true. <laughs> Do you think it matters whether you're ministering in a small church or a smaller environment versus a large one? Do you think that matters at all? Or is it just, um, we all have pressures and it, it doesn't, the context is less relevant. What do you think? Yeah, I, I get the chance to work with both. And I would say it really doesn't matter that much because you get into a large church and yes, it's a lot bigger and, and things spin a little bit faster, but you also have more resources and more staff. See, this is what and, we tell and, Steve Gladen all the time. He has it easy because, you know, <laughs> he's got lots and lots of money and people. The rest of us yeah. have to kind of work a little harder at it. <laughs> uh, that's so true. And <laughs> So, you know, the, now again, Steve's got some pressures that of other course. pastors wouldn't, right? <laughs> of so, um, and I also, I don't think it matters whether you're rural or urban. Hmm. Um, I, I feel like the pressures and the pace of life and the, the uh, constant being plugged into technology are kind of the same across the board. Um, and I know we haven't really talked about this, but I think a significant issue for the health of people's souls today is they have to learn how to manage their technology gadgets. Yes. Um, you know, you need to maybe give your phone a Sabbath. You need to learn how to do texting in a way that doesn't hijack your family life. And mm -hmm. so there's so much in this, but I just think that's such a big issue that if I'm going to have a healthy soul, I can't constantly be distracted uh, by all the stuff in my world. And again, those things are valuable and they're helpful, sure. but they need to be appropriately managed. I know that would actually be a whole other topic. I recently read yeah. that even um, when you're having conversation or dinner with someone, um, if, if just having the phone on the table, even if it's face down and never rings, that in itself is enough of a distraction to keep the conversation from going deeper. Um, and I was astounded by that because I do that all the time. I leave it on the table. But I thought, wow, okay, because it sends the message that I, at any moment we can be interrupted. And that keeps people from going deeper. Um, but that would be true for when we're, you know, on our devices all the time. That's, that's a huge one. So really practically unplug from your devices as, as needed. Take solitude and silence. Um, have conversations that are authentic with people who, who you can trust and who you can be real with. Um, any others that come off for you? Uh, as far as like how to have a healthy soul? Yeah, how to, how to get there and keep it there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, I would say things like, um, again, in those spiritual discipline realm, 
Um, learn to, to read your Bible relationally. I, mm. I think for a lot of us, we kind of approach our time with God obligationally and we you know, want to read the passage. And some people use those reading plans where you get through the Bible in a year. And I've had to stop using those <laughs> because they just become a checklist for me. Right. And then I get behind. Yes. And now I'm reading scripture to catch up. Not, <laughs> but but when, I repro- when I approach scripture relationally and realize that there is a person behind mm. those words on the page and that that person loves me and wants to connect with me, um, and, and so I've learned to slow down in my Bible reading, to read mm. more for depth and not breadth, to not worry about whether I read a whole chapter or just a few verses, but to approach my scripture reading mm. relationally because, you know, I remember, I don't remember who said this, but that when it comes to scripture, it's not just about uh, light, it's also about heat. It's mm. not just about revelation, it's also about intimacy in my relationship with God and that part of what I want to happen when I read scripture is to elevate my love for God. And so approaching scripture in that way, I think it just keeps your heart softer, your heart a little more connected mm-hmm. to the Lord. And so uh, again, I would just be, uh, you know, kind of advocate to people like really look at the different spiritual disciplines and don't look at them as the litmus test of your spirituality. Hmm. They really are just the mechanisms by which we connect to God. So I'll give you one. I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but (laughs) this didn't dawn on me till about two years ago. Um, You know, when it comes to keeping Sabbath, I've always kind of viewed Sabbath as, oh, it's just a good idea. It's God's plan for me, making sure I get rest and time. But I think, honestly, there's a deeper issue behind Sabbath, and it's God's way of making sure that we actually have quality relationship time with him. Hmm. That it's it's not just about my need for physical rest, but it's it's like the difference between me doing a quick text message to my wife and having a date night. We actually huh. have that quality time together. And I think part of what God wants in our practice of Sabbath, Sabbath is this unhurried time with him where we spend more time in reflection, meditating on a passage. We maybe listen to some worship music, and in in an unhurried way, we spend time with him. And I think all that helps to make my soul a lot healthier. That's great. I love that idea of reading scripture more relationally. Um, I think sometimes there's times where we just read it because we need to teach on it. Um, and exactly. that's, that's really not the best way to be reading it. Um, and the whole idea that really what we can give people is out of the overflow of our yeah. soul. Um, and if our souls are not um, healthy and are in a place where God's been filling it, or we've been filling it with good things, then there's not really much left to give. So eventually that catches up with us. Yeah, um, I often tell people that the greatest gift you give those you lead is your own healthy soul. It's it's not your communication or your persuasive abilities or your facilitation skills. The greatest gift any small group leader will give their group is their own vibrant, life-giving relationship with Jesus. And when that's healthy and when that's overflowing, you're going to be the best small group leader you've ever been. Wow. I love that. Okay, so to keep that in mind too, we should put that in the program notes. <laughs> Best thing you can do, and that'll be true for your family. 
Absolutely. As well. Um, and as a pastor and as a church, I mean, any of those things, it's, it's comes out of that healthy place. Um, so Les, thank you so much. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to give? Cause that one was a whopper, but is there any other you'd like to share? <laughs> um, no, I think, I think the big thing, you know, Car- Carolyn is, I would just say you have to own the health of your own soul. Mm-hmm. Um, Nobody can do it for you. And, and again, it's a longer story than we have time for. But when I got in that unhealthy place, I'll never forget my wife and I were having an argument because she had sort of just had it with the way we were living and <laughs> the pace of my life was out of control. And I, I kept just saying to her, you know, sweetheart, I can't help it. It's ministry. It comes with the territory. And, and I'll never forget one day she just said to me, there's always a reason or a season why you can't be who you're supposed to be. Wow. And um, it was a very sobering moment, but she was absolutely right. And what I had to realize is I was who I was because of decisions I was making. I I was who I was because of the choices I made. And uh, I'll never forget that Dallas Willard said that your soul is like a stream of water. Mm. He said it it guides, it governs, it, it, it harmonizes with your whole life. And he says, you didn't create the stream, but you are the keeper of the stream of your soul. And so I would just say to all of those who are small group leaders and point people, you are the keeper of the stream of your soul. And, you know, with the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to live the most amazing life. But the only way you're going to do that is when you learn to pay attention to that interior part of your life, the real eternal you, which the Bible calls the soul. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Um, well, I have a lot to think about. I think I need to spend my next half thinking about some of these things, and I hope this was helpful to your listeners. You can follow Lance um, on Twitter. It's Lance underscore wit. Um, but most of his resources are on replenish.net, and he's got a blog. He's got some other things. He says he's not that great at keeping up with some of that stuff, um, but there's some cool stuff on there as well as some other programs and things. And his book, Replenish, um, is a wonderful read, and I read it very slowly, actually, on purpose. Mostly I I speed through books, but I read that one really slowly because I wanted it to sink in um, and I wanted to apply it to my life. So thank you for how you've ministered to me personally, but also to so many of us um, in ministry. So thank you so much, Lance. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you, Carolyn. What an honor to be with you today. And thanks for what you guys are doing with small groups. God's been so good to us. So thank you all for listening to Group Talk. We hope you found it helpful and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes so you can get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, please rate the podcast and leave comments so other small group ministry leaders can easily find us. To connect with a small group network huddle in your local area, read our blog, join us on Facebook, or access additional resources. Visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Remember to use the hashtag when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.